This message comes from NPR sponsor, the Capital One Venture Card. Earn unlimited 2x miles on every purchase. Plus, earn unlimited 5x miles on hotels and rental cars booked through Capital One Travel. What's in your wallet? Terms apply. See CapitalOne.com for details. From NPR Music, this is Alt Latino. I'm Felix Contreras. And I'm Ana Maria Sayer. Let the chisme begin. That is the sound of rebirth, specifically the sound of Carla Morrison's rebirth. Carla is a vocalist who, well, I don't know, she's, she's honestly more than a vocalist. She's kind of the stuff of legends. No doubt. Her clear and compelling vocals give her an honest and affecting sound that has all of us gripped since we first heard her music here on Alt Latino in 2010. I saw her at uh, Vive Latino in Mexico City a couple of times. And I was so impressed with how her audience hung on every word. But that is and was her power, right? The Carla that I grew up with is a Carla who said... Literally, dejanme llorar. And I was like, seriously, dejanme llorar. Like, Carla, like, I felt that emotion. I felt that depth. And I think we all did. I think that's why people gravitated towards her. She was this artist who put everything out there in whatever she was feeling, in whatever moment, and whatever kind of emotogica energy we were <laughs> feeling at the time, <laughs> we could channel into that emotion with Carla and she would be there right with us. And that and that was really powerful and that was really important. But then all of a sudden she she stopped. She went away. She stopped performing. She didn't release any new music. She was kind of just a blank slate there for a while. Where she went and why she went is what we get into this week. The story behind her break is a fascinating story that I think resonates with the times, and it has to do with connecting back into ourselves and into our emotions. The Carla that we're seeing today in this new music, the Carla that we were able to sit down and talk to, is a vastly different Carla than the one that we grew up with, right? Or that I grew up with, Felix, sorry. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for pointing that out. <laughs> Just yeah. want to clarify for the people at home. <laughs> a little age difference. This idea of rebirth, it's actually the title of her new album. It's called El Renacimiento, and we're going to hear from her where we talked to her in a quiet little corner from the recent Latin Alternative Music Conference in New York. Welcome back to Alt Latino. It's been a long, long time. Thank you. It's been a while since we last spoke. We've been kind of keeping in touch over the years following your career. A lot has happened recently that has changed about your style, your sound, your aesthetic. Can you talk to us a little bit about where that came from? What's been going on? And how did you arrive at this point right now? My new album is called El Renacimiento, and it's about the renaissance of my career, I guess. Around 2017, I decided to make a pause to my career because I was pretty depressed. And so I took 
time off, you know, the industry and my career and everything. And I moved to Paris and I went to school for French and for uh, music, for jazz, jazz music conservatory. I started visiting the museums in, in Paris and then I started gravitating towards all these beautiful paintings that were from the Renaissance. And I was like, what is this? Like, why are these prettier than these others? Right. And so I started uh, reading about the Renaissance and what it meant back then. It resonated a lot with me and how I was approaching my life, trying to change everything, like the way I was listening to my music, the way I was creating it, the way I was writing it. That made sense with me. And I said, okay, you know what? Like, I think that's how my new album is going to, you know, the concept is going to be about the Renaissance because I feel like I've kind of felt a little bit dead inside and, and I have to come back to life, but in my own terms and not making music only about love, but also about the struggles that I've been going through mm. and allowing myself to sound however I want to sound because for the longest time I was attached to my guitar, which I love and I'm still attached to it, but I really wanted to open a space where I would allow myself to sing differently and make music differently, talk about my anxiety, about my depression, about self-love that I didn't have or practice, and also make like a pop album because all of my music was a little <laughs> more alternative. So to have a pop album was like something that I just wanted to do. One of the first times that we met was here in New York, and it may have been during LAMC. That was a completely different Carla Morrison back yes. then. It was very, very, very early in your career. Yes. Yeah. That Carla was scared. Really? <laughs> I mean, she wasn't scared, but but I think I was kind of going through it all. Like, I was mm. living my young self. I was really confident, but in the same way, I was very scared because I was trying to learn how to navigate this industry because it was all hit, like hitting me too fast. This industry can be very demanding. And if you don't know who you are, you'll get lost. And then you don't know what you stand for. That can affect your, your human part of being an artist. Because first you're a human, then you're an artist, you know. And so if you don't have that figured out, it can be pretty challenging. I feel like hearing that story, I had no idea that you went and did that. And I feel like going to Paris and like spending some time away it sounds it's so romantic it's like <laughs> ah to just like lose yourself in in the art and to study something different and yeah can you describe what that experience is like for you like the return when you came back and you were like I spent this time away I learned all these new things like what felt the most different to you it was a, also a little slow because even though it was very different from now that I live in L.A. and it's all, you know, I have to drive everywhere and mm -hmm. I smell the smell of donuts and hamburgers everywhere I go. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, I don't see people on the streets and it's just so different. At the same time, we're still going through the pandemic, so there wasn't a lot of things I could do outside. So it was a little slow. But I think the first thing I felt was that I wasn't going to allow work to be a priority in my life anymore. You know, and I wasn't going to try and overwork myself to prove anything to anyone. I never really gave a damn for anything of that, but this time more so than ever, because I feel like more now in social media age, like everybody's so hungry to be famous and mm -hmm. to make a viral song and and to just be the person that's being talked about. But that's easy to do now. 
You yeah. can do stupid shit and just become a meme or a, a viral thing. And that that doesn't mean anything. I don't know. I just felt like, okay, now more so than ever, I'm going to take time with my art. I'm going to take time with my husband and my plants and my doggies <laughs> and my life, you know, and finding the meaning of my own life, you mm -hmm. know, and not be worried about trying to fit into the L.A. life and the industry life and everything that they tell us that we have to do or be in order to be valuable to society. That's just a lie. So that was the first thing. And then many other things have come. I mean, I'm also very grateful for the beautiful weather in L.A. <laughs> it's nice and sunny. It's, it's, it's beautiful. And, and just having family close and having a house now and having like this beautiful life that I've been working towards. And now I'm, you know, I'm, I'm home and I bake and I make my own food. And it's just it's just beautiful to have that, too. So. It's been different, but at the same time, it feels like home, too. It's so funny because Felix and I were kind of having a conversation about this in a way. <laughs> Differing views around work and life and how to find the balance between all of those things. And, and, and I believe that having that slowness and that stillness and that yeah. separation from work is really a very important form of self-care and self-love. Yeah. And having that experience and prioritizing those things, what inspired you to then come back and share that with your community and with fans and with people who had followed your music and really be authentic and forthcoming in your art with that? I think what inspired me is that I've been put in a situation where my dad was adopted by this English American that was from Liverpool and gave him his Morrison last name. And so my dad gave us better opportunity at life and, and work and everything. And so... I've had this ability to really separate myself from the Mexican culture at some points. I've noticed that in like, let's say when I was living in Phoenix, Arizona, I could talk about my mental health. I could really explore that part of me. Whereas in Mexico, it's like, mija, you're not loca. Like, and I'm like, no, I'm not loca, but I, I need to go to a therapist because I will maybe turn into a loca pretty soon. <laughs> And then in Paris, mental health is talked about all the time and you can agree to disagree and people have conversations. And one of the things that I learned in Paris was crazy, but it was the no. People would be like, if somebody would say, hey, can you lend me that? And somebody would say no. And it wasn't a big deal. It was just like, oh, okay. And I was like, oh, my God, there's no drama. Like, <laughs> nothing's going on. And so I remember thinking, man, like, people are so honest and blunt, which is kind of great. I feel like in our Latino communities and, like, people of color, we don't really we don't really allow ourselves to put, like, limits and all that stuff. And so I feel like with mental health and with my personal journey, I felt like the necessity of bringing this to my audience that sometimes doesn't allow themselves to feel depressed or or even acknowledge that they might be going through something or anxiety. And I listen to my older songs, which I still love, but I'm like, fuck, I was toxic. Mm -hmm. Like, I was, like, singing to this guy, like, please love me back. I'm like, why was I doing that? But, of course, I didn't know better. And now I see them as beautiful love songs that come from that innocent part, you know? That time I was like, okay, this is, this is crazy. So I wanted to share that with the people that listen to my music just because I feel like Mental health is so important nowadays, more so with the pandemic. It just made us really see 
how our lives were going. And now it's like, how do you really want to go back to life? And so the Renaissance to me was kind of like the whole album was like an exercise for people to use it as a mirror with their lives and be like, do I really want to go back to that job or marriage or friendships or career? Like, do I really want to be living to somebody's expectations or to mine? Am I being true to myself? And that's what I did. You know, I had to move away very, very far to just really listen to myself. I didn't know French, so I spent a lot of time in silence. And that really made me understand, like, listen to my, my voices that were like, hey, <laughs> haven't talked in a while. What do you think about this? The only thing I could say was bonjour and like, au revoir and merci, but that was it. I couldn't say anything else, so I had to really spend time in silence. In a new city, I would get lost. I was just counting on myself. Nobody cared about me. And so, I mean, obviously my, my husband, but it was just like so different so just to spend that time and cultivate that friendship with me was beautiful and I feel like everybody should aim for that the renaissance is about that your fan base is well known for being very very dedicated to your music and yeah. and you were such an influence on that generation of musicians, indie musicians, that your music had a huge impact socially as well. Are those folks coming along with you on this journey? Do you get the sense that they are also taking command of their lives in the yeah. same way? Are they following your lead or were they already in that process? Because I think everybody, we're all thinking about mental health, like you said, after the pandemic. Yeah. Do you feel like when you're doing shows now... If they're along with you on yes, that? Yes, yes. It feels alive. And a lot of my fans are Latinos. And they love the message of being able to just come back to life in their own terms. And I don't think I've ever been so... Like, every time I have meet and greets or shows, what usually comes up all the time is like, thank you for talking about this. Thank you for using your platform. Thank you for Marta's Ansiedad. And like, you, you love yourself or you talk about mental health or you just make it so simple and easy. And not a lot of artists are talking about it. You're so open about it. And like, just so much. It comes so much. And every Tuesday, I do this Martes de Ansiedad where I talk about like how everybody's feeling. And sometimes we talk about how to like, let's say, oh, if you have a loved one and he's having a or she's having a panic attack, how would you act or what do you think it would help me to feel better or things like that? And I get so many questions and so many tips and so many like just it's just crazy. And I'm like, yeah, people want to talk about this and Latinos and Mexicanos and everybody wants to want to talk about this. And we don't want to feel ashamed anymore or you know, like, oh, he's feeling this way. Like, no, like it feels like they're really happy and grateful for it. And also my whole show is about the five stages of grief, kind of. I got very inspired by Dr. Kubler-Ross and I tell them we're going to go through a renaissance all together. So the whole set list is my old songs and new songs, but they all go through different phases. So we all go through it together and we really like face whatever we're going through. So we go through like a phase where like we're talking shit. This is our like salty songs. And we're all like, yeah, we don't care, you know? And then we go through a phase where like we love ourselves. And then there's this phase where like, okay, I need to accept I'm going through my shit. I was the toxic one. I need to clean up my mess. And then you go back to like, okay, I can fall in love again because now I love myself and I, I found myself. So the whole journey of the show is about that. It was like coming back to life. And I always say, you, you guys can cry. You guys can propose. You guys can do whatever you want. But this is the space where we come back to ourselves. So 
it's been very something that I see a lot of comments were like, wow, this was amazing. Or this is my therapy session or, you know, Carla took us to church and things like that. It's, it's so funny. But it's awesome because we connect. And I think humans, when we connect, it's just life becomes easier, you know. We'll be back to our interview with Carla Morrison right after this. This message comes from NPR sponsor, the Capital One Venture Card. Earn unlimited 2x miles on every purchase. Plus, earn unlimited 5x miles on hotels and rental cars booked through Capital One Travel. Your next trip is closer than you think with the Venture Card from Capital One. What's in your wallet? Terms apply. See CapitalOne.com for details. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Lagunitas Brewing Company. Since 1993, Lagunitas has been challenging the status quo, brewing innovative beer, and crafting stories along the way. Featuring a wide range of craft brews, cult classics, and non-alcoholic options, there's a seat at the bar for everyone. Bring the dog, too. Lagunitas Brewing Company. Because every great song deserves a great beer. It's good to have friends. Learn more at Lagunitas.com. This message comes from NPR sponsor, Progressive, and it's Name Your Price Tool. Say how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show coverage options within your budget. Visit Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. I'm Jesse Thorne. Why did Cola Scola write a bonkers, extremely fictionalized play about Mary Todd Lincoln? Well, you know, it was 2020 and we were all so isolated. I, I just started doing research, on, but the truth is, I, no, I just thought of it. We'll talk about that and more on Bullseye from MaximumFun.org and NPR. That sounds spiritual. I'm like, uh, all I want to do now is be a part of the Renaissance. That sounds amazing. (laughs) Because this concept is so prevalent that like part of the cultura is this hesitancy around talking about all of these subjects. And how does that feel for you when then you have this, let's say, Mexican audience that is responding so positively? How does that impact the way you feel about your own Mexicanness? I've always felt like a gringa in Mexico, like in, in Ciudad de Mexico, because it's like so Mexican and I grew up in, in the border. But when I live here in the States, I feel very Mexican. So I've always been half and half. But one thing that I've noticed throughout the years is that all of my songs could be rancheras. All of them. <laughs> my husband makes fun of me because he's like, babe, <laughs> like you could totally do a ranchera album because they all sound like that. So it's in my veins for some reason. And I always have it in every song. I always feel very Mexican. And I also feel like there's all sorts of different Mexicans también. They don't all have to be, you know, into tacos and into machos and and these girls that are just like crying for love. Like we're so different and diverse. And some of us moved to Paris and learned French, you know, and and eat cheese and wine. A little bit of French. You know? So it's like, I think we're allowed to be all sorts of different Mexicans. And as long as you, you're true to yourself, you know, because we attach ourselves to some identities that don't allow us to be ourselves sometimes. And we're like, oh, no, that's too fancy for me. I can't do that because I'm Mexicana. Like, no, you can be fancy if you want. You can be whatever the heck you want. You don't have to just be perfect Mexicana. Because I would be told, like, oh, you're Mexican? Like, you, you're not morena. You're not, your hair's not braided. And it's like, no, but it, it, it's okay. Like, I'm Mexicana too. I think it's just a matter of just being true to yourself. And yes, 
being from a place in the world gives you an identity, but it's part of your huge story. We're past, we're present, and we're future. And I think that's really valuable to always have in mind. Along those lines, when you talk about that development and going away, stripping away, and coming back, what kind of Mexican are you now? How do you interpret your culture now through your music and through how you live compared to what your idea of it was before? I think my Mexicanness comes with me always because, like they say in, in, in mi rancho, yo me fui del rancho, pero el rancho no se fue de mí. <laughs> you know? So that, that's always in me. I think as Latinos and Mexicanos, we're always very humble, very loving. And one of the things that would always like move me to tears in Paris, every time I would meet someone and they would be like, oh, you're Mexican, oh my God, I made a friend. You're like a friend that was in Mexico or like something, but they always had a beautiful experience with a Mexicano. And I just felt like that's beautiful because that Mexican that you met left such a beautiful impression in you that you already love me. <laughs> and you don't even know me. You just met me. But everybody had that. Everybody. And that was beautiful. And if I would say, look, no, you're Mexicana. Oh, my God, I went to Cancun. And, oh, my God, your country. And they would always, like, speak beauty and beauty and beauty about my people and, like, everything. And so that made me understand why it was so easy for me to make friends or it was so easy for me to connect with people. So that Mexicanness, I think, is, like, being humble, being very just warm and open and grateful. And it's these qualities that we just have. Whenever I don't know who I am, I just look back to my ranchito and to where I lived and, and, and where I grew up. And that's me, you know, at the end of the day. And sometimes they tell me, well, Carla, you don't live in Tecate anymore. You're not from Tecate. I'm like, but I am because I go back and I feel at home, you know. And so I think it always comes with us for sure. I love that, like the way that you describe that, because it almost feels like you're like pairing those things together, right? Like what is your Mexicanness and what is your commitment to, to mental health and to self-love? Because ultimately to be Mexican is to love and to love is to be Mexican. And you're just like mm -hmm. taking us to the next level, right? Like you're <laughs> making everyone see that this is what it means to be Mexican is to, yeah. to pay attention to these things. So that's, I think that's really beautiful. Yeah. And I think also the kindness that we have as Mexicans should also come with the mental health part. We should be kind to one another whenever we're asking for help, you know, and not be so judgmental and be like, oh, you know, you're crazy or this and that. And that's why I always say in, in my concerts, like, I know your parents will probably say, no, mija, no estás loca, but, but don't pay attention to that. I say, today is today and our times are different and we have to worry about so many other things. It's okay that it's different. And, and if you need help, go get help because life is hard. Life is really fucking hard. <laughs> And you gotta need, you need some answers sometimes, you know. I couldn't agree more with that last statement. <laughs> Felix, um, you're a lot farther down the road than I am. Is life still as hard there as it is here? <laughs> you know, what happens is that, as she pointed out in her interview, it's like as you confront things, as you get older, and it doesn't even have to be age. It can just be an attitude like she has. I'm going to confront these things because then life is a little easier to manage and to deal with if you confront them 
directly, honestly, and in a healthy way. So much of what she talked about in her interview, about culture, about identity, about mental health, it's all wrapped into the same thing. And it was very instructive to hear her talk about it that's not in the form of a song. You know, I think there's those musicians who will forever have an impact in in the work that they create. And then there's musicians who start to redefine the culture. And I think Carla is one of those. She is paving a path for new conversations and ideas and feelings around mental health in the Mexican community. You know, when I first met Carla in New York, while she was there shooting the video for NPR Music, she was very quiet, very shy, very withdrawn. And the Carla that we met during the LAMC when we interviewed her recently, it was completely different. It was a whole different persona. It was very, very outward going and very self-assured. You know, I didn't know the old Carla in the way that you did back in the old days, but I felt like I knew that Carla through her music. And and I know exactly what you're talking about because listening to her music then and listening to her music now, you can feel that change in her. I mean, I loved to yorar with Carla back in the old days, but The new Carla isn't llorando anymore. I mean, she's vibrant, she's colorful, she's poppy, and she's still just as as open and just as honest and just as authentic, just bearing a whole different set of emotions this time. And that message that she's projecting now of self-care and self-worth is attracting just as many people as she did in the past. And that's the beauty of an artist like Carla, right? An artist who has this kind of power, who has has been so upfront about who they are over the course of their career, no matter how many times they transform, no matter how many revelations or renaissances they have within themselves, people like like us, people like me who have been listening since the beginning, we're willing to follow them anywhere. And that's the that's the the beauty here is that Someone who I maybe was my emo toxica queen who had me crying and maybe not all of the best ways now is speaking openly about her anxiety, which is really transformative for a community because we're all ready to meet her in those conversations now. Now I got to get my abuela to listen to her. <laughs> Be very curious to know what she thinks. She'd be like, this is interesting. <laughs> That'll do it for this week on Alt Latino. Alt Latino comes to you from NPR Music. Our editor is Hazel Sills, and Alt Latino intern is Vita Dadu. She is the one in charge of our super sick playlist that gets updated every single week with new music on Apple Music and Spotify. I'm Felix Contreras. And I'm Ana Maria Sayer. Thank you so much for listening. This message comes from NPR sponsor, the Capital One Venture Card. Earn unlimited 2x miles on every purchase. Plus, earn unlimited 5x miles on hotels and rental cars booked through Capital One Travel. What's in your wallet? Terms apply. See CapitalOne.com for details. This message comes from NPR sponsor Shopify, the global commerce platform that helps you sell and show up exactly the way you want to. 
Customize your online store to your style. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash NPR. On NPR's Throughline. We cannot function for 24 hours without COBOL because it's in our smartphone, our tablet, our laptop. And as a consequence, the lives of the people living in that part of the Congo descended into just a catastrophe. Find NPR's Throughline wherever you get your podcasts.